Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide and let's all of us come together, invest into our sadaqah jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi alihi dhati azim al-sifati sami al-simati kabir al-sha'an Jalil al-qadir al-rafi'i al-dhikri muta'i al-amni jalil al-burhan Fakhim al-ismi ghazil al-ilmi wasil al-hilmi kathil al-ghufran Jamil al-thana'i jazil al-ata'i mujib al-du'a'i amim al-ihsan Saril al-hisabi shadid al-iqabi alim al-adhabi aziz al-sultan Wa nashhadu an la ilaha illallahu wahtahu la sharika lah في الخلق والأمر ونشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله المبعوث إلى الأسود والأحمر المنعوت بشرح الصدر ورفع الذكر وصلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه الذين هم خلاصة العرب العرباء وخير الخلائق بعد الأنبياء أما بعد فيا أيها الناس وحيد الله فإن توحيد رأسطاعات واتقوا الله فإن تقوام لك الحسنات وعليكم بالسنة فإن السنة تهدي إلى الطاعة ومن طاع الله ورسوله فقد رشد واهتدى وإياكم والبدعة فإن البدعة تهدي إلى المعصية ومن يعص الله ورسوله فقد ضل وغوى وعليكم بالإحسان فإن الله يحب المحسنين ودعوه فإنه مجيب الداعين واستغفروه يمددكم بأموال وبنين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بل تؤثرون الحياة الدنيا والآخرة خير وأبقى. At the time of the Prophet وسلم, particularly in the early days of the Meccan period, there was great trial and tribulation. There was very little worldly incentive or motive to believe to accept the message, to follow the Messenger It was a very, very difficult time. And when you think about that moment in the history of any project, in the history of any endeavor, those who are there in the early times, in the early days, those who endure, those who persevere, those who have the foresight, the vision, the understanding, the fortitude to be able to act early and to, as we say, invest early, get in on the ground floor, 
that we admire that because it shows that they had understanding and vision. We respect it because they had the strength and the fortitude to stick through the growing pains. However, something else that we are familiar with, and that is that ultimately it also pays off. It also pays off. Eventually it pays off big. Right? So when finally this becomes a recognized commodity or asset, once this institution or organization becomes established, once this political process or project takes off, then they will reap the fruits and the harvest and the benefit of it. However, spiritually, that isn't always the case and that isn't always true. For those early Muslims, and especially there's an example that I was thinking about and reflecting on, and that, that example is the family of Yasir, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, where Ammar bin Yasir, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, is one of the, not just the first 40 Muslims, but he probably realistically is within the first 20 Muslims. One of the very early people. And his parents also embrace Islam very early on. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran says, لا يستوي منكم من أنفق من قبل الفتح وقاتل of course, all the companions are noble people, righteous people, and they are promised a great reward by Allah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those who, again, invested, figuratively speaking, those who sacrificed, those who followed, those who believed, those who gave, those who were, strove, and sacrificed before the conquest of Mecca, before the Arabian Peninsula would all completely come into the fold of Islam, those who did it before have a greater reward than those who did it after. Because once everybody gets on board, now it's everyone's doing it. But those who came in early, it's recognized and respected and rewarded. But that's Fatu Makkah, that's at the end. But even prior to that, the hadith of Sahih Bukhari tells us that those who were there at Badr, before Badr, at Badr, would always have, the, would always have a status above those who came after. And was, the Quran says, Those who were there on the day the Prophet arrived in Medina, at the time of the Hijrah, would have a greater reward. But this is even earlier than that. These are the early days of Mecca, where there wasn't even anywhere to go to, anywhere to escape to, anywhere to take refuge. And this family, this father, mother, son, they bore the brunt of it. They were tortured and tormented mercilessly. 
till the moment when the mother is murdered, killed in cold blood, in broad daylight, in the middle of the town square, in front of her own husband and her own son. And then the father also dies shortly thereafter just due to all the torture and the torment that he's endured. And the son is tortured near death and barely escapes with his life. And the prophet, so when you, when you think about this, these are the people who invested early on in Islam. These are the people that came first. These are the people who made the great sacrifices. So you're expecting, like I had said before, I had said earlier, you have to sacrifice early on. You have to, you know, stick with it and keep the faith, persevere, let it grow, let it become something eventually. And then ultimately, everything works out, everything pays off. And you get your, you know, you kind of, you get your glory. But when you look at this, these people never got to see Medina. Right? Ahmad and uh, Yasir and Sumayya, they never got to see Medina. They never got to see the angels in the battlefield at Badr. They never got to see the conquest of Mecca and the Adhan being called at the Kaaba. They never got to see Hajjat al-Wida. They didn't get that. And that's why, that's why in our spiritual, in our Islamic paradigm, we understand, and Allah tells us, and I quoted those verses in the beginning, بَلْ تُؤْثِرُونَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا You, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet would recite this surah, these verses, every single Friday. We're going to recite it now when we pray. That you obsess over the worldly life. You are so overly invested in what happens here. But the hereafter is better and longer lasting. That is where you actually get the payout. That is actually where you reap what you have sown. That is where you harvest your crop. That is where you pick your fruits. That is where you get your dividends. Not in the life of this world. If you got to see Medina, that was beautiful. Who wouldn't want to? If you got to be there for Badr when the angels came in the battlefield, fantastic. What a mind-blowing thing to experience. If you got to see Fatih Makkah and Hajjat al-Wida, mashallah, good for you. That's awesome. But even that wasn't the goal. That wasn't the objective. It always was. It is, it always will be the life of the hereafter. That was the goal. That was the objective. And that's why the words of the Prophet that are so powerful, so timeless, so beautiful, and so thought-provoking and Soothing to the soul. What did he say to them? Sabran. Ala Yasir Sabran. Inna mawa'idakum al-jannah. 
patience, O family of Yasser, patience. For your appointment is, your destination is, your goal and your objective is paradise. It's the hereafter. I thought to speak on this particularly because I don't want to beat around the bush. Um, you know, we are a community, and it's important for us as a community to, you know, understand and try to make sense of and try to gain a better perspective about what is going on in our community. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, Kullu nafsan Every soul shall taste death. Right? And so death is a constant. It's the universal. Right? Everyone over the age of 40 is familiar with the joke about death and taxes, right? So it's the universal. It's been there since day one. When the Prophet and the Muslims arrived in Medina when they performed the hijrah, shortly thereafter, within weeks, there was a janazah in Medina. There was a janazah before there was a birth. In Medina, there was a janazah before there was a birth. Asad bin Zurara passed away within weeks of the Prophet arriving. A child wouldn't be born for another few weeks, almost a month or so after that. So death is a universal thing. It's, you know, it's a great equalizer. It's always been there. As the poet says that if anyone would have been exempt or spared from death, it would have been the Prophet But even he departed. Even he left us behind. He had to. So death has always been there and will always be there. That doesn't mean that that, that, that that fact should not take away that it should have deep and profound meaning for us. That it should make us think and reflect. As the poet says, when you see a janazah, a funeral, a coffin being carried away, then know that one day very soon you will be carried away. So it should have meaning and purpose, but... There is something to be said about tragedy. And tragic deaths, you know, that I do not speak of lightly. I, you know, we should never make light of this. But, so even just putting it into a, giving it a name like that feels like that's not recognizing the weight and the gravity of it, but... Um, we as a community have experienced some very tragic deaths, right? Of young people who are, you know, struggling, suffering, mental illness, emotional illness. And then their lives are coming to a tragic end. Um, and just in general, families being stricken with the greatest tragedy of you know, a sick child. I literally got back um, an hour ago from the cemetery after we buried Imam Kashif of the Irving Masjid, one of our local scholars and imams. Imam Kashif, we just buried his 14-year-old daughter who six months ago was running around. Six months ago was hanging out in the lobby and waiting for her dad to get done so that they could go home. Like every Muslim teenager. 
And six months later, we just laid her to rest in the ground. And it's, you know, it makes you think about the Prophet And so there's a couple of perspectives that I wanted to share here. Number one is that we cannot decipher, we cannot interpret, we cannot understand the life of this world as defining what is our status in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if how we live and where we end up defined our status in the eyes of Allah, then the world, not us, no, no, don't get it mistaken, the world, would have called those people that I, dis- that I was talking about in the early khutbah, in the early part of the khutbah, the world would have described them, would have called them failures. Right? Because the world defines success through a worldly lens. That you get to see everything come to fruition and you get to, you know, do the ribbon cutting and you get to, you know, pick up your check. You get to get the pats on the back and you get the congratulations and the thumbs up and the pictures and the accolades and the celebration. You get that. That is success. You get there. You see it all come to fruition. You pick the fruit off your tree and you eat it. You take a bite out of it. That's success. The world thinks that. The world would have said these people, and I can't even say, uh, put their name in the sentence because it's so disrespectful, but the world would say those people were failures. And they, they are wrong for saying that. They'd be incorrect because they are the ultimate success. Where the Prophet ﷺ, in this dunya, we are going to show up on the day of judgment and we still won't be sure where we're going, Right? When the book of deeds are being distributed, we will all be drowning in our sweat, hoping that it ends up in our right hand, not in our left, right? Allah, the Prophet told, Allah told the Prophet to walk up to those people in this life of this world and say, paradise is waiting for you. The Prophet said to Ammar, Hani an ya Ammar. People look forward to going to Jannah. Jannah looks forward to the day that you will arrive. Success. They are the ultimate success. So we cannot determine success and failure. We cannot get trapped in in this trap, this worldly, you know, shaitani trap of thinking that Difficulty or pain or suffering is somehow indicative of our success or failure as human beings. No, abadan. We cannot make that mistake. That's number one. Number two, we have a long-standing tradition of even understanding that pain and suffering is actually, not just pain and suffering for the sake of it, but a believer having some difficulty is actually a means of elevating the status of the believer. The Prophet ﷺ was blessed with seven children in his lifetime. The first six with Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha and then the last was Ibrahim. Seven children in his lifetime. He had seven children. Six of those children died before he did. 
the Prophet stood at the grave of six of his children. I saw a man today stand at the grave of his child and it shattered me. It broke my heart. The Prophet did that six times. I, I just, I can't process. I can't process. But Ashadul Bala'i al That the most severely tested people are the Prophets. And then those who are most like the Prophets, and then who are most like them. So we even need a rewiring, a reframing, a restructuring of this idea that we just look at pain and suffering as some kind of like penance or punishment. That we look at difficulty and adversity as just, you must have done something wrong. This Calvinistic idea that we have, we need to dismiss it. No, no, no. But this hardship of this dunya is actually a lot of, it directly translates to elevating a person's status in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a person's status on the Day of Judgment. We need to embrace that idea. We need to understand that. And thirdly and finally, these moments, these situations, heartbreaking situations, are also a gut check moment for us as a community. How do we respond and how do we react as a community? If the main thing that happens in the aftermath of these tragedies is that the rumor mill starts churning, we have some serious soul searching to do as a community. What happened? Do you know what happened? What, what, what kind of a question is that? Is there no fear of Allah? Is there no reminder of death? If that's all I talk about, that's all I worry about, I heard this, I heard that. Rather than reflecting on death, making dua, turning to Allah, Allah have mercy upon the person, Allah give strength and tranquility to the family. Coming together as a community, supporting the people, holding them up, taking care of them. That was the calling card of the Prophet There's a hadith of Bukhari. Whenever anyone needed anything, the Prophet made sure that he took care of it. He never left anyone hanging. He always took care of everybody. And this is an opportunity for us to realize that as a community. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to reflect on the afterlife and to live a life that is allows us to succeed and has meaning and purpose in the afterlife. Barakallahu lana wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Azim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim astaghfirullaha li wa lakum wa li sa'ili al-Muslimin fastaghfiruh innahu huwa al-Ghafurur Rahim. Alhamdulillah.
الحمد لله ولا نبي بعده قال الله عز وجل في كتابه المجيد بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد عبدك ورسولك وصل على المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى ازواجه وذريته اللهم عز الاسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر الاسلام والمسلمين اللهم اهدنا واهدنا واجعلنا سببا لمن اهتدى اللهم عنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك اللهم احسن عاقبتنا في الامور كلها واجنا من خزي الدنيا وعذاب الاخره اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الاحياء منهم والاموات انك سميع قريب مجيب الدعوات اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى وصلى الله تعالى على نبي الكريم قال الله تعالى ان الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم وادعوه يستجب لكم ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقيم الصلاة